Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that everyone and anyone is welcome to enjoy, but it's also a podcast that may not be welcomed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, hello everyone. Hi everybody. This is Kayla. And this is Kristen. <laughs> Why and are you laughing? It's because I sound terrible. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I probably should stop doing it. Also, I'm not going to. But I'm like, why don't you just sing for real? Because you actually have a good voice. Okay. Mm. Welcome back to Black True Crime, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode 21. We're back and we're better than ever. Period. But also, I'm completely traumatized because I researched this case that we're covering today. So, mm, yeah, she told me earlier it's going to be a bad one. Yeah, so just mentally, I'm telling you guys to mentally prepare yourselves now. There will be some raw, terrible recordings that we will listen to later that will twist your stomach up if you have a heart at all. And I question if the person that requested this episode has a heart at all. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to listener Nassim who requested this episode like months ago. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. It's too bad. But I decided to do it and just suck it up. So let's get it on. Let's get started. March 24th, 2015, authorities went to conduct a routine eviction at a home in the Lower East Side of Detroit, Michigan. As they removed furniture from the home, they found a deep freezer, and when they opened it, they would find something they would have never imagined. Join us as we discuss the premeditated, petrifying, deplorable actions of Michelle Blair. Michelle, I'm surprised, Kristen, you didn't say anything. You I really wanted something. to, but I didn't. Well, you can say something right after it. You know that. No, I feel like the dramatic pause would be nice. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. God, this case is horrible. Okay. Michelle Angela Blair was born on May 10th, 1979, somewhere in Michigan. I couldn't find it. Don't know exactly where, but I just know she was born. Hmm. Not wow. much as... not much is known about her past or her upbringing but i do know that unfortunately when she was a little girl she was sexually abused i think actually multiple times because in an interview she stated that in one particular time it was one of her mom's friends who was a woman and that kind of suggested there were other times that she was you know abused wow yeah really sad And she said her mom was a type of woman that everybody kind of feared and she was a bad mama jamma around town. So it was kind of surprising when she told her mom and received a response that she wasn't expecting. Here's a clip from an interview she did with Crime Watch Daily. I told my mother what happened to me. And the only thing she said was, it's over with, so what the you want me to do about it? What do you mean what I want you to do? You get what I'm saying? So all I could do is go back and sit in my room and just sit there and look stupid. I'm a kid. And I'm just telling you what happened to me. You didn't do 
about it. And plus, I still had to see the person coming in and out my house. You're still friends with that person. That's disrespectful. Mm. How your mama going to be feared and she don't even use her power to influence the people around her? Somebody touched your child and she said, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. Wow. It's just tragic. And you can hear the anger and hurt in her voice. She's fucking furious. And this happened like 30 years ago, you know, 25 years ago. And has held on to it ever since. Yeah, she's fuming. So (laughs) she said, she sat back in her room looking stupid. Yeah. (laughs) How hard she said that word. I really felt her. I really did. Yeah, she was speaking from the heart. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Later in life, she met her first baby daddy named Alexander. And during their 10 year relationship, they had two girls. The oldest was Gabrielle and the youngest was Stoney. Their relationship ended and then she met her second baby daddy. Holler. Second baby daddy. Holler back, girl. Mm. Get it how you live. I'm like, are you approving? Do you approve, Kayla? Well, Kristen, hot girl summer. I'm just kidding. Okay. Kayla. You just, you, you, hey, hey. So we you should know? just have a whole bunch of kids by hey. men that don't stay. No, hey. no, you should. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> no way. No way, Jose. Um, No, I don't, I don't condone it. I'm just saying, how come Negroes can do it, but, you know, females can't? Taboo. No one should. Kiss my ass. I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay. Her second baby daddy name was Stephen Barry, and they would go on to have two boys together. One was Stephen, spelled with a PH, and then the other one was Matthew. Apparently, she was really in love with this man, okay, at one point, because she got a tattoo on her upper right arm, like the front of her right arm, saying, property of Stephen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never. Not that. Not property. Never. Not when he ain't even put a ring on it, girl. Child. And then that relationship fell apart, too. He left her, too. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle can't keep a man, Blair. Okay. That was rough. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't have to go there. But fuck her. But fuck her. So that's how Mm. I feel. But for the- everybody who has a baby mama, we're not nice talking about y'all, okay? So don't no. get your feelings, okay? Hell no. It's, it happens to the best of us. Fuck out of here. That's my the, baby daddy. The only thing that, that counts and, you know, we give a shit about is the children. We love the children. Period. And the one consistent thing in Michelle's life were her children. She would post pictures on Facebook with captions like, quote, loyal to my babies and quote there is no greater blessing than being called a mom and because of the abuse she experienced as a child she vowed to never let something like that happen to her children but 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 the children were unfortunately experiencing another type of abuse from their mother oh no in september 2002 and again in february 2005 child protective services received claims that michelle was guilty of child neglect and physically abusing her children no yes and although the claims were true she was allowed to keep custody of her kids okay wait pause so cpa proved the claims to be true cps yes cps proved the claims to be true and still kept the kids in michelle's care oh yeah 
and they only required her to go to counseling. Like, why would you send the parent to counseling? Don't you think the children need counseling and also to be removed from an abusive home? I'm just confused. And then Michelle did something really weird. She called police to ask them a question. Who calls police to ask a question? This crazy bitch. What number did she die? 911, bitch. 911. (laughs) (laughs) She said that she had a friend whose older child was sexually abusing her younger child. And she asked what happened to the abuser. The 911 operator replied that all of the children would be removed from the parents' care and that an investigation would be conducted. Michelle then hung up without identifying herself or giving any personal information to the operator and went about her business. Mm. Super fucking weird. A friend. Around 2013 is when Michelle decided to pull her kids out of public school and start homeschooling them, according to Gabrielle, her oldest daughter. So at the time, and probably still to this fucking day because Michigan is trash, and I will say that, Michigan, to your face. The state of Michigan did not require parents to notify the school district or the state if they were deciding to homeschool their children. It was just optional to let the state know if that's what they were planning to do. What? So truancy must not exist in Michigan? Yeah. Well, there was no way to tell unless somebody was actually like paying attention to a child and checked up on them personally, which was not happening. So, yeah. And on top of that, there was no statewide database or a system that alerts childcare professionals to check on students who may have been removed from the public school system. So in other words, your kids could be literally at home watching Coco Melon and Trolls all day till they were 18 years old and no one would know or care. I was about to say, don't come for Coco Melon. Don't do that. I have nothing against Coco Melon. I'm just saying you shouldn't be watching Coco Melon if you're 16, but you should be in school learning trigonometry or something horrible. <laughs> At some point, Michelle herself was in school, but dropped out and wasn't really doing anything for work. In 2015, at the age of 36, she was a single mom of four kids living in a low income apartment on the east side of Detroit. Actually, it was a, like a townhouse type of thing. And she was getting benefits from the state to make ends meet. According to her relatives, she was unable to get a job for what reason? I don't fucking know. Maybe because she couldn't afford childcare. That's that's some real shit. And would always call them for money. Obviously, they were like, look, we can't keep helping you out because as family, they were helping her out at, you know, at times when they could. But they can't pay her bills for her. Like, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So they suggested that she just you know get a job maybe like a normal person or even go back to school but she wasn't she wasn't fucking feeling that she was like no like you're disrespecting me by even suggesting that oh no yeah she was one of those when you broke (laughs) i was say she was one of those Mm -mm. (laughs) so when you don't pay your rent you get evicted and that's exactly what happened to Michelle. She was like, two, I think it said $2,206 behind in rent. So Dang. that sounds like a <laughs> that sounds like a couple months. I was going to say at least three months. Three in months. Michigan, I'm not going to give y'all no $1,000 rent. <laughs> and she lived in, it said low income area. So yeah, it, it wasn't. So no. Yeah, so we pay three months. <laughs> We pay eighteen seventy five a month for where we live. It's well, not. go ahead and tell all our business. Well, 
Who the fuck cares? Who the fuck? How much do y'all pay for rent? Send me a DM or a fucking email so we can. Since we're exposing each other, (laughs) (laughs) how much do you guys pay? Since we're in each other's pockets. So on March 24th, 2015, deputies went to serve Michelle with eviction papers. And since she wasn't there when they went to serve it, technically she was being evicted. So technically they could enter her house, which I'm not really sure about all those details. But they entered her house and they started taking her property out of the house and putting it in like this big bin thing, you know. And they happened upon, like we said in the intro, a deep freezer. And somebody opened the deep freezer, and when they opened it, they found the frozen body of a teenage girl wrapped in a large plastic bag. Naturally, they called the police and were like, hello, there's a body here, please come. So the police come, and they remove the body. They go to take the body out of the freezer, and underneath it, they find another body of an emaciated young boy, frozen solid. Oh, no, not emaciated. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Mm, Emaciated sounds like it works, too. Okay. Mm. The two frozen bodies would be later identified as 13-year-old Stoney Blair and 9-year-old Stephen Barry. Kayla, who are they? Kristen, they're Michelle's kids. I named them earlier. Keep up. You say a lot, by and the you way. don't be and you don't be listening. Actually, I'm taking notes, so I do listen. No, not her children. Her own children in a deep freezer, dead yep. in the living room. Who keeps a deep freezer in the living room? Let's not get into it. How you gonna be? First of all, you're late on rent by a couple of months. You're <laughs> near eviction, but you have the nerve to have two dead. Humans that happen to be your kids in your living room in a deep freezer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's giving me mentally unstable. (laughs) Yeah, she's giving me dumb. She's giving me stupid. She's giving me what the fuck. So the police shut that shit down real quick and began looking for the resident of the home, Michelle Blair. And one of her neighbors gave her up with the quickness, wasn't playing quick, fast, and in a hurry. Said, um, she's at the other neighbor's house. Go get her ass. And she was there hiding with her two surviving children, the oldest, Gabrielle, and the youngest, Matthew. Police were asking her questions like, uh, why were two children's bodies found in your deep freezer? And at first she was acting like, oh, I don't know. know." But then eventually she was like, okay, I'm sorry. And they arrested her ass. Okay, I'm sorry. Mm. Just terrible. That's all you have to say, woman? That's all you have to say for yourself after clearly murdering your children because they weren't killed by natural causes. They were 13 and 9. Right. No, they weren't killed by no natural causes. At this point, like in today's society, there's no way you're getting killed by natural causes unless like you're literally, you have cancer or something like that. Yeah, like you have like a disease that you've been fighting for a long time or, you know, some type of something like that. And I highly doubt you would be stuck in a deep freezer because of it. Correct. Correct. We will get more into the details of what happened to poor Stoney and Stephen later in the episode. But right now you should know that Stephen was tortured for two weeks before he died. Mm -hmm. And 
he died from his injuries on August 20th, 2012. So three years before they found his body. Wow. Nine months later, after Stephen's death, Stoney experienced similar torture while also being starved. And she died on May 25th, 2013. Mm -hmm. Back to back. After their deaths, Michelle wrapped the bodies in plastic and put them both in the deep freezer located in her living room, like we discussed, because... Stupid. What? And then she just went on with life for the next two to three years. Like, nothing ever happened. I can't even imagine what the surviving kids, like, how they felt. Oh, they were they were terrified of that fucking evil winch known as their mother. I bet you she kept that deep freeze in the living room as like a, if you act up, this is where you going to go. Just so fucking terrifying. You can see the pictures of her. Oh, she looks like a Jezebel. Yeah, she looks like she was thought and plotting for sure. No. Those kids were beautiful. I know, right? And then if you click on the crime scene folder, you can see pictures from the the crime scene. Child. And that house. And look how they were living in that house. I'm not one to tell someone how often to clean their home or what to do. But you shouldn't have so much shit in the sink that it's unusable. Mm-mm-mm. This is disgusting. She got the nerve, Kayla, to have yep. weave glue. But can't even <laughs> feed her two kids. Her four kids. <laughs> Has the audacity to have false eyelashes and tracks in her sink. Wow. With some cream of nature hair care on the fucking sink and she, and her kids starving. This is sick. Isn't it? And children are living in this. I wouldn't even want my dog living in something like this. This is disgusting. No. So fucking sad. So before the autopsies could be conducted on the two children, their bodies had to be thawed out for three days. They were then determined to have died from multiple blunt force trauma wounds and severe burns. It was found that 13-year-old Stoney had been hit repeatedly in the face and head with a two-by-four. Kalo, two-by-four what? Piece of wood, sis. A two-by-four piece of wood. God. She was also doused in boiling hot water, strangled with a black t-shirt, and finally suffocated with a bag. Stephen suffered similar injuries, but we will get more into that later. And I'm telling you, like I said at the beginning, please prepare yourselves because you might have nightmares. I love to eat and I couldn't really even like stomach food for like two hours after I finished listening to what we will be listening to later. I'm disgusted. The surviving children, eight-year-old Matthew and 17-year-old Gabrielle, were taken into state care where they were finally able to be seen by medical professionals because this whole time they never went to go see a doctor because their Not mother surprised. fucking refused to take them. Not surprised. Look yep. at her house. Yep. On Matthew, they found 25 scars and injuries, both old and new as well as, quote, loop-shaped scars and injuries on his back and butt area, which were consistent with being whipped with an extension cord. Mm -hmm. Gabrielle, the oldest, suffered from scars and bruises as well, from being whipped with cords and from being burned with a clothing iron. And she was asked about the noticeable cut above her left eye. 
And when she was asked, she said that her mother had hit her in the face with a two by four. And she also had a broken front tooth that she said happened when her mother hit her in the face with a curling iron. Period. Tell the truth. Shame that devil. So on March 20th, 2015, the community held a vigil in honor of Stoney and Stephen in front of the townhouse they lived in and died in. And apparently a lot of people showed up. I saw some pictures and it was it was a good turnout, actually. Um, You can go to the vigil folder and see some of the pictures. There was a councilwoman that showed up and she spoke and she talked about how important it is to take care of each other and our community and other members of the community brought balloons and candles to celebrate the two lost babies. Among the speakers was their great aunt, which was Michelle's aunt, and her name was Angela Gordon, who, Kristen, fucking get a load of this, who was a child abuse investigator for the Detroit Police Department for 26 years before she retired. Just a damn shame. And couldn't even sniff out the case right under her nose. Right under her fucking nose. She claimed that she knew that some abuse was going on, but she didn't know to what extent. It Kristen, doesn't I could... matter. Oh, my fucking goodness. A little abuse is okay. It's fine. Even though it's my fucking job to come to the aid of children that are being abused. Like, I'm just so fucking confused. And the knowledge that she has as it being a part of her job, she probably knows that one little thing or one little instance of abuse will escalate. Exactly. Oh, she she's 26 years. She's seen her fair share of terrible cases. But little did she know one of the worst ones was her own fucking flesh and blood. The most she did to even get Michelle to stop, I guess, is by telling her she needed to start treating the children better. Kayla, I could spit. Like, out of all the times that we want to all of a sudden act right and not mm. put our hands on folks, mm. you choose this one. Mm. Mm. With mm. a woman who clearly needs her ass whooped. Kristen, whooped. Oh, my goodness. And when she told Michelle this, it pissed Michelle off, and Michelle just stopped talking to her aunt. <laughs> like, I mean, what did you expect? That she was going to say, okay, auntie. I'll treat the kids better. I'll stop burning them with boiling water and beating them with two by fours in the head. Like I'll, I'll throw cut away it the out. Two by fours that I picked up at the Home Depot just to beat my kids with. What are we doing? Gee Willikers. Because who else has a two by four? What you doing with a two by four if you ain't building nothing? What you doing, Kristen? Thank you for answering the que- or asking the question we all would love to know. Because <laughs> bitch, you didn't even know what a two oh, by four was. Oh, thank you. have sharp edges like i just can't uh-huh. stop, 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 stop. disrespect disrespect this is this is criminal this is this is asinine this is homicidal this is, this is dark it's very fucking dark then this woman had the audacity to speak at the vigil and say that people should not assign blame and that they should learn what enabled the abuse to continue for so long. You, ho. I literally wrote, you, you stupid, stupid. I said a lot more bad words, but I'm trying to tone it back. <laughs> she then said, quote, I pray my niece gets the psychiatric help she so desperately needs. 
So like we said earlier, Michelle was arrested and she was charged with first-degree murder for the murder of Stoney, felony murder for the murder of Stephen, torture, and child abuse. So if you're not sure, first-degree murder is a premeditated crime, meaning the killer planned to commit the murder, whereas felony murder is murder that happens in the commission of another dangerous, violent crime. Despite accusations that she may be suffering from an undiagnosed mental disorder, possibly associated with PTSD from the abuse she experienced as a child, after being evaluated by multiple experts, Michelle was deemed fit to stand trial. Because I know some of you were like, okay, how is... What, what's her mental state? How is she functioning? Where is she on the spectrum? And according to multiple experts, she's well aware of what the fuck she did. And we'll get to some more of that awareness that she claims to have. Hmm. Gabrielle, her oldest daughter, ended up testifying that her and her siblings had been abused all of their lives by their mother. She said they never went to the doctor because they were covered in scars. And she also testified that her mother made her help put Stoney's body into the freezer. Yeah, not surprised. And the fear that was coursing through that young girl's veins, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. In discovery, neighbors started to notice that after a while, they never saw Stoney and Steven. Like they never saw them at all, not through the windows, nothing like that. And they would ask Michelle about it. And she would always make up excuses. Since she was homeschooling all of the children, it wasn't weird for, you know, neighbors and people around to not see the kids because they really had no reason to leave the house. So when neighbors would ask Michelle about, like, where is Stoney and Stephen are, how they're doing, stuff like that, she'd always make up an excuse. She would say either they're at her aunt's house, you know, that aunt that was fucking useless. Mm-hmm. And then she would say... They were just upstairs because they didn't like being around people. So they just stayed away from people. Despite the two children being dead for almost three years, Michelle continued to collect $771 a month in food assistance and Medicaid benefits for all four children up until the day she was arrested. And had three things in that fridge. Had no freaking food in that house. But had some weed glue and some cream of nature on the counter. And had some tracks in the sink. Girl, it looks so dirty, though. I'm just like... It was so bad. Can you imagine the smell? Two wrapped up bodies in a deep freezer. I don't care how wrapped up and how deeply frozen they are. There's a stench. And they were in there for years. Some poor kids that were alive and the ones that are dead. Poor kids. Just the worst situation possible. Eventually, against legal counsel, Michelle decided to plead guilty to all accounts against her. Period. The best thing she could have ever done. The judge. Kristen, say it it louder. No, because I felt bad saying it. No, say it. I'm saying it. Other than die. The judge honestly couldn't believe it, (laughs) and she asked Michelle at least four times within the first six minutes of the hearing, Kristen, if she was voluntarily entering the plea of guilty and (laughs) subjecting herself to an automatic life sentence. She asked Michelle if she'd been threatened to plead guilty. She asked her if she'd been promised anything to plead guilty. And then the judge even asked her attorney how many times he had the conversation with Michelle about pleading guilty and what it meant. And he replied, quote, three times, Your Honor. He was not having it. You could tell all over his face that he did not want her to do this. But 
you know, it's so not she's his, do it. I'm about to say it's not his decision. Mm-hmm. So now when a person in the state of Michigan, at least, I don't know if it's all around the country, they plead guilty to a capital crime like murder. The accused has to provide a factual basis, which basically means they have to admit what they did mm-hmm. and kind of provide an explanation as to why. So listen to the following three minute audio clip from the hearing. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it's the most disturbing, triggering thing that I have ever personally listened to and definitely have ever included on this podcast. So please, please proceed with caution. I've warned you probably three times up until now. Please heed my warnings. This is where the brutal, awful details of Stoney's death are described straight from the murderous horse's mouth. Girl, I don't think I'm ready to hear it. You're not ready, but you're gonna hear it. Ms. Blair, what did you do to Stoney Blair that makes you guilty of premeditated murder? She raped my son. I intentionally killed her. How did you do that? Um, starting from the beginning, when I found out about what Stoney was doing to Matthew, it was nine months later after finding out about Stephen. So for the whole nine months, we were in the house. She was still raping my child. I did not know that. When I first found out, after Maddie told me, um, I took a minute because I was not understanding, you know, what was, that she did that to him. But um, I repeatedly punched her. On many occasions, my son, I told him to tell me every single thing she did to him. So as she was telling me, he was telling me more and more things that she did. I assaulted her every time he told me what she did to him. Um, by assault, I mean I punched her. I have put a bag over her head till she lost consciousness. Um, I threw hot water on her, scalding hot water from the faucet. Um, Did you hit her in the head with a stick? Yes, I hit her on her head multiple times, over and over. Was that shortly before she died? That was actually the day before she died and the day she died. Okay. Um, I hit her on her back, like on her tailbone. Um, I kicked her. Did this happen on or about May 25th, 2014? To the May, May 25th is actually the day she died. Well, the day I killed her. And you said you killed her by putting a grocery bag over her head? Yes, um, that day, Maddie would tell me different things because she was doing this to him for years. And I did not know that. You get what I'm saying? And I didn't find out until nine months later. She had started with Steven. She ruined my son, okay? She started with Steven before he even started. So, yes, I put a bag over her head, but um, it got worse that day. Yes, I did. It got worse that day because Matthew would tell me how she would take her pad, her menstrual pad, and squeeze her blood out in his mouth, okay? And it was just, it was over with after that. It was over with. You meant to kill her? I definitely meant to kill her wasn't an accident? No, not at all. If I had a chance to do it again, I would. I meant to. I definitely meant to. And I do not feel any remorse for what I did to Stoney. Because she had no remorse for what she did to my son. (sighs) Yeah. Just no, like she said, no remorse, no guilt about it, no convictions. She believed what she believed. She wholeheartedly believed. It seems that you know, her children were 
abusing her other child. And the thing is, like, she's taking, she's like, it's as if she wanted her mother to do this type of stuff to the person who did it to oh. her. Oh, you're spot on. Spot on. Absolutely. Yeah. So because her mom didn't do it for her, she's like, now I'm going to do it for my son. I'm going to stand up for him how my mother should have stood up for me. Yep. And she's ruthless. Yep. It's like she's talking about, she's not even talking about the girl like it's her child. Mm-mm. Oh, we'll get there. She continues on with even more details, but it's like so bad. I didn't even want to include all of it. If you want to see it and hear it and traumatize yourself even further you can find it on youtube her interviews and her deposition she claimed that stony admitted to her that she'd sexually abused both of her little brothers and did so because she hated them michelle said stony hated matthew the youngest because everyone thought he was so cute and he got all the attention the judge asked her if she'd ever witnessed any of this activity because mind you the children were homeschooled all the time they were home all the time and so was she because she didn't work what the fuck was she doing so when would they even had time to do the things that she describing that they did to the you know what i'm saying to the little boy so listen to this next clip to hear her answer to the judge's question did you ever actually see anything of any sexual abuse of any kind between either steven and stony and matthew I reject her question, but I will answer it because no one will say that this did not happen because it actually did. I just want to have a clear record. Because so far, all you've told me was that you just heard it. Did you ever And that they admitted it. No, I did not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand. But as I went back in my head and thought back to all the many things that was wrong with Matthew over the years, and I'm like, that's what was wrong with you? He used the bathroom and said, Mom, my butt hurts when I poop. I don't know, Matthew. So I started giving him 100% juice to make his stool softer, maybe to help him use but it, That wasn't the problem. It wasn't his stool. It was that he was being raped, okay? My son looked me in my eyes, and he gave me a very detailed account of everything they did. Matthew is not a violent boy. He is a very sweet little boy. So for him to stand there and look at me and say, do it again, he was hurting. I just don't trust this bitch as far as i could throw this bitch and she's a big bitch she sure is so basically her answer is no she never saw anything happen right she's just going based off of what a six-year-old child was telling her at the time because he was six or did not he he was six years old and according to her this is what he was telling her that's what she was basing everything off of and then it was time to describe what happened to steven the reason I put bags over Steven's head because if we had Maddie, I thought Maddie peed in the bed. My son was never a bad water. Didn't know it was Steven waking up every morning pissing on Matthew like he was a damn piece of shit, okay? They had bunk beds. Steven would get out the bed in the middle of the night. You would rape him in his own bed. You would pee on him instead of going to the bathroom. I'm waking up every morning thinking Matthew's a bed water. So we just wash him up and go, you, you're a bed water. Let's so, talk about what you did to Steven. The reason I put bags over Steven's head because my son told me that the plastic on his bed, because I thought he was a bedwetter, he said, sometimes, Mom, I couldn't breathe. Steven was laying on me, and he had my face down in the plastic on the bed. I couldn't breathe, and he was humping on my butt like a basketball. That's when I got a garbage bag and started putting it over Steven's head. 
and I started asking him, bitch, you know what I'm saying? You see what this feel like? You can't breathe? You stop him. That's my son. You could not breathe on top of getting raped. You were six years old at the time. You get what I'm saying? So I put it back over his head. He lost consciousness. I did that a couple times. Um, he told me that Matthew, Maddie would be face down. He had stuff around his neck. So I grabbed Steven and I grabbed the belt and I put a belt around his neck and I lifted him up like, do you like how this feels being choked with a belt? So I dropped him. I held him up until he lost consciousness as well. You were intending to... No, I did not intend to kill Steven. No, 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 I'm not... Listen to my question. You were intending to inflict serious physical harm but not kill him. Definitely. Okay. Did you also punch him? Yes, I did. Most of the time. Yes, I did. You talked about choking him. Did you also burn him? Yes, I did. Okay, how did you do that? Hot water. Scalding hot water. Kayla. Oh my god, I cannot handle this. Yeah. This crazy bitch. Kayla, Mm -hmm. please tell me they had Matthew on the stand. Child, an eight-year-old? No. Like, not on the stand and for everyone to see, but did the judge talk to him at all or anything? Um, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. What's the point? She already uh, pled guilty. I was about to say because she pled guilty and everything. There was really no need to talk with the children because either way she commit it doesn't matter what she thinks or what actually happened. Even if the children did do these terrible things, it doesn't give her a right to murder them. Right. And the thing is, I can't even imagine a child having the wherewithal to get off of the bed and, and piss all over his little brother. Right. That's why I was like, you know, I, I it was very graphic to play that and to hear that but i wanted to include it because i wanted you guys to hear exactly how convinced she was i mean she has all these details all these scenarios that she claims has happened and that's why she did what she did and it's just so hard to believe it's like she she's talking about how there was something around that Stephen would put something around matthew's neck Stephen was nine years old what was he putting around a six-year-old's neck? And how did you not notice that there was marks around his... You know what I'm saying? There's just right. questions. You know, I have so many questions. That was so sickening. Yep. She goes on to explain how she kicked him, punched him, burned him with scolding hot water in his private area multiple times until the skin came off. This is a baby. A nine-year-old a child. A nine-year-old boy. She also forced him to drink Windex. Kayla. She, yeah, she did this because she said that Matthew said Stephen had forced him to drink the blue stuff under the kitchen. And she was like, What's what blue stuff? And he showed her what it was. So she's like, Oh, you made him drink it? Well, now you're gonna drink it. I'm just like, you can't tell me that a nine year old was that sick. I mean, there there are some sick kids out there, but these children would terrify their mother. You know what I'm saying? They were being abused by their mother. Why would they go turn around and do it to each other in such a, a terrible way? It seems like even worse than what their mother was doing to them. It's just so hard to believe. That's what I'm saying. It seems like a grown person was doing these things to the children. How do children know to do things like this to other children unless they've seen it done before? Absolutely. Absolutely. And on top of everything else that she's done to these poor kids and said about these poor kids one of the last things she said 
at her hearing was the following audio clip. Were you Stephen's mother? Yes. He was in your custody? I don't claim him as my son now, and I do not claim Stoney as my daughter. I have two children. That's it. Stephen and Stoney are demons. Period. Mm-mm-mm. No, you're a demon. Straight like that. She was just not okay. I don't think she was mentally unstable, but I definitely think she had a lot of trauma that she didn't deal with, and it just exploded in the wrong way onto the wrong people. The people closest to her, her children. Yep. So long, horrific story short, Michelle pled guilty to the charges against her, and on July 17, 2015, was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. She said if the state of Michigan offered the death penalty, she would have taken it. And I would have gave it to her if I was the state of Michigan. She doesn't deserve the needle. She deserves that. She deserves the chair without the wet sponge, like on Green Mile. Child. Moving on. And just in case you were still wondering about her state of mind. There were no other options. I'm not playing crazy. I wasn't in depression. None of that. There's no excuse for rape. Period. So sick of this bitch. Yeah, but she said she's not fucking crazy. She's not mentally insane, so don't get it twisted. There's just no excuse for rape. Like I said, she's convinced. Completely convinced. (sighs) So somehow... The sick woman wanted to keep custody of her two surviving children while she's in prison. And she had multiple hearings in regards to her parental rights. CPS was obviously trying to force her to give up those rights so that the children could be adopted into better families. In order to do that, however, they had to get the parental rights of the fathers of the two children revoked as well. (sighs) So 31-year-old Stephen Berry, who's the father of Stephen and Matthew... And 35-year-old Alexander Dorothy, who is the father of Stoney and Gabrielle, had to appear in court. Alexander owed $39,000 in back child support and admitted himself that he hadn't seen Stoney since 2013. And at the time, he claimed she was fine. Mm. But he ended up admitting that he knew some type of abuse was going on because of something he saw back in 2005. Listen to this clip. What happens when your kids come to visit you in 2005? Sister gave them a bath, seen whips on their back. Who seen whips? My sister. Your sister. Did you see these whips? She showed them to me. Are these long red marks? No, they was healed up by the time I seen them. Healed up. But do they appear to be long, like lines? No, like slashes. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You disgust me. So he admitted that he saw whips on her back and did fucking nothing about it, which he may have done nothing. Or remember how in February 2005, CPS was called because, you know, there was evidence of child abuse. Maybe this was that time and the sister reported it because he sure the fuck didn't. I'm about to say, I look in his eyes and see he didn't do shit. Looking in his eyes just gives me. Like, chills. I'm like, your own daughter is is gone. And you just look like you're in traffic court trying to get out as soon as possible because you're tired and you didn't eat before you came and it's 9 a.m. That's how you done fucked up. Like, you relinquished your rights as a father by the time she was even born. And then now your child is dead and you're looking extra stupid. 
Now it was Steven's turn. Steven didn't even answer the phone. Didn't even want to answer the phone when the authorities called him to let him know about his son's death. Wow. Steven owed $11,000 in back child support and served two years in prison in 2010 for two felony firearm convictions. So he just was not trying to play with the police. He was like, ah, 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 absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Both men ended up losing their parental rights, and little Matthew has since been adopted to a Thank new family Jesus. that I pray is taking care of him. Yeah, me too. I, oh, Lord, he needs some help. Gabrielle, who's over 18 now, has been enrolled into a program in the state where she can live on her own and, you know, learn how to be a well-adjusted working adult. And it's said that both of the children are receiving counseling and treatment for their trauma. They need it. Thank the Lord. Something their mother should have gotten a long time ago. And maybe we wouldn't even fucking be speaking about her right now. And maybe Stoney and Steven would still be here alive. Poor babies. So some people become model prisoners after committing the worst crimes fathomable. But not Michelle. Not surprising at the fuck all. Since her sentencing in 2015, she has received 49 infractions of misconduct. Mm. And that's only as recent as 2019. So in the last two years, she could have gotten more. I just don't. I couldn't fucking find that. On March 2nd, 2016, an assault and battery report was filed against Blair after she spat on a prisoner's head. Mm. It's like disgusting. On Thursday, April 25th, 2019, Michelle pled guilty to two charges of assaulting a prison employee. The incidents happened between May and July of 2018. So the first incident in May, Michelle was being taken to a shower when she got into a verbal altercation with another prisoner just talking shit. When the officer tried to calm the situation, Michelle kicked the officer in the stomach and the forearm. Just a violent, crazy bitch. She's just violent. Like, somebody needs to put hands on her. Somebody needs to just find a corner that doesn't have surveillance in the prison and just and wear her out. Beat her ass. <laughs> in July, Michelle threw a Pringles can filled with feces and <gasps> urine at an officer through her food slot in solitary confinement. Oh, my God. The shit cocktail struck the officer. <laughs> you like that? You Not like the that. cocktail. Not the shit cocktail. <laughs> the shit cocktail struck the officer in the face, ears, chest, all on the right side of her body. When the judge asked Michelle if she had anything to say for herself, Michelle said, quote, just the same thing I've been saying. If the officers wouldn't have provoked me, it wouldn't have happened. My bitch is crazy. It's all like, well, somebody did this. And, you know, she's always pointing the finger at somebody else to excuse her violent, horrible behavior. Absolutely. It's never her fault. Nope. And she also has, I looked up, you know, the picture of her. The most recent one was the one that's Michelle, labeled Michelle 2019. Mm. And according to her prison record, near where she has property of Steven, she has also tatted. Always Gabrielle, Stoney, Stephen, and Matthew. What the hell? Was that yeah. before or after she literally killed them? No way to fucking tell. And that is our case. Wow. This was too much. Who, like, whoever wanted us to do this case, what do you be doing in your free time? How did you hear about this case? I mean, I love true crime, but damn. 
this is a lot. This is deep and dark and, oh, it's just too much. Yeah. Where's your palate cleanser if you didn't prepare it before this and during the four warnings that I gave you? Hurry go get it now. Get it ready. Get it now. <laughs> Drink some ginger tea, ho. Pray. Get some, get some essential oils and rub it on your neck and back, child. Whatever you need to do. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. And I guess we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, guys. <sighs> Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me. <laughs> <laughs>